Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 270, Fantasy and Role-Playing Games, an interview with James R. Hannibal, coming to you on Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Welcome to season four of 2021. As you know, if you've been listening to the show this year, I have decided to do seasons starting in 2021. So for every quarter of which has three months and 13 weeks in it, I'll have 10 episodes. So there'll be three weeks off in between. So we have just come back from a three week break and we are on the first of 10 episodes in a row that'll take us all the way through December. And I have been so excited waiting to share this episode with you, partially because uh, we needed to wait for the, the book to be released so that we could say the book's out. But James has done the most interesting thing he acquired the rights to an old role-playing game that he used to play when he was in high school. And he is re-releasing the game with a new name. He's doing a few new things with it. And he is writing a series of novels that go along with the game that kind of are following the way that the game works. It's really interesting. And if you're at all interested in fantasy writing, role-playing games, or the idea of maybe buying a role-playing game and then writing the novels that could go along with it, you are going to love this interview. It is super interesting. Uh, James has always been, I mean, since, since I've been talking to him, he has been on on the show before and is a full-time novelist. Uh, and now he's kind of expanding and doing novels and re-releasing this game with a new name. I'm going to let him talk to you about it, but I just wanted you to know this is super interesting from a business standpoint, from a how many assets do you have in your business? Um, in what ways can you expand your business to have more assets, not just novels? There are a lot of things that you can do that maybe you just hadn't really thought of yet, or you just needed a little push to say, you know what, I am going to do this other thing that I'm really good at it. I love it. And it'll be like an additional source of income. And, you know, if you can find a way to tie it into, you know, the writing and the books and writing things that go along with it so that people want to not just buy your books and not just buy your other product, but have the two things go together and want to buy both. Well, again, that's another great way that you can expand your business. So here we are uh, talking to James. In the meantime, remember that we have nine more episodes coming up every week on Thursdays throughout the rest of the year. There are a lot of great guests. I, I always feel like I have great guests, but every season I'm like, I have really great guests this season. So lots of new things to learn about your writing, your writing career, things that you can do. And I'm always trying to help you to find things that you personally can do with your writing or your writing business or your writing life, the way that you live your life, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health that you have. So I hope that you're always looking for, um, I don't do that, what that person's doing, but I do this, and this is what I can learn from the episode. That's what I want to give to you in every episode. And I know that my guests have been totally on board with that. They want to give you information that will spark ideas in you so that you can create your business your way. So happy writing and let's talk to James. Today's guest is James R. Hannibal. 
As a former fighter pilot, stealth pilot, and tactical deception officer, James R. Hannibal is no stranger to secrets and adventure. He is the award-winning author of thrillers, mysteries, and fantasies for adults and children, and he is the developer of Light Raider Academy Games. As a pastor's kid in Colorado Springs, he guinea-pigged every youth discipleship program of the 1980s, but the one that engaged him and shaped him most as a Christ follower and kingdom warrior was Dragon Raid by Dick Wolf, the genesis of the Light Raider world. Welcome, James. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's nice to have you back. You were just here in May of this year. We were talking about spy novels. That was super fun. That was fun. But now I've been reading Wolf Soldier, and that is super fun, too, and so different. Like, I, I can feel your writer's voice, even though it's two totally different genres, so different in a way. Um, but I can feel your writer's voice, and I can sort of uh, easily remember, like, this is one of James's books, because just the way things move and some of the, the, the fights and the, I don't know, just there's something about your voice that comes through. Uh, even though two totally different genres. Oh, well, good. I'm glad I'm recognizable in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have been very, very busy. I'm not sure if we uh, if we let the audience know in May what you were working on, but after you and I uh, finished recording that particular interview, you were telling me, and I was like, oh my gosh, you have to come back on the show and tell us more about it. So for the, the sake of listeners, let's just kind of wrap up this whole thing in a very big box with a big bow on it, collaborative writing. Inside this big box, there's going to be a lot of smaller boxes that we'll be there talking is, yes. about. But why don't you kind of give us an idea of, of where we started and and um, and kind of yet yeah, lead us into this conversation on collaborative writing here? Okay, so the 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 big box is uh, role playing games. So uh, and the utility and the the impact that role playing games can have, and that was for me as a teenager, Dragon Raid, which is the red box behind me. Um, and uh, for me, that was the most effective Bible study system that I experienced. Um, and so when I grew up, I went looking for it. And what the, the end result of this is um, one of the, well, what, what I should say is when we say role-playing, that's collaborative storytelling. You're sitting around a table with others, creating an adventure, creating a story together, playing your characters. Um, and there's a lot, there's lots of different uh, uh, methods that we do that. We talked about before the show, different, different uh, formats and systems. Um, for me, it was Dragon Raid. And so when I grew older, I sought out a box. I began writing stories for it. That connected me with uh, uh, the original creator, Dick Wolf. And before he passed, Dick asked me to take the system over and carry it forward to a new generation. Um, and so one of the things that we did in that was to novelize the game world. So not only do we have the game world and we have some other new games that are coming up in the system, everything works together in the Light Raiders realm, but Wolf Soldier, which comes out at the end of October, um, is uh, part of that world. It is a novelization of that game world where you see the characters experience all the cool things, uh, the creatures and the, just the system. Um, it was also fun as a game fan to take that traditional role-playing game sort of party, uh, a group of adventurers, uh, and and bring them to life in novel form. Yeah, you know, um, I have been reading your book every night for a couple of weeks now, and um, 
and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, I'll just read, <laughs> read James's book. <laughs> so I just got to the point at like three o'clock this morning where, um, where the adventurers have been told by their mentors that they're going to go off and do an adventure on their own. And I remember like feeling that same feeling the, the, the first or second time that I played a D&D game with my husband, we're like on our own but I don't have any idea what I'm doing. So it was like being a new player with a first level character, but in this novel where I'm watching them going, yeah, I know why you're really nervous. It felt like really exciting, kind of made my heart race a little bit, which probably did not help me to fall asleep. I didn't fall asleep for like two hours. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we feel, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that how we feel um, uh, even for us uh, uh, in the, in, the Dragon Raid world is obviously centered on Christians, um, but that's how we feel as Christians when we're going out to, to do the work we've been given. We're not ready for this. Yeah. Are we fully trained for this? I'm not prepared for this, Lord. And so that's the these these uh, cadets in Light Raider Academy are certainly not prepared. Um, and nobody in, nobody in the generation before them, nobody in their generation has done this because it's been shut down for two solid generations by the assembly. No uh, striking out into Tenelathar, into the Dragonland. Uh, on rescue missions. And so these are the first of their generation and, and none of their parents did it. And so can you imagine the feeling of uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to make, can we really do this? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that there was so much, um, you know, sometimes the, the uh, trouble for me and lots of people that I know who are uh, Christian writers or, or just altogether nice people who like nice people to get along. The hardest part sometimes is coming up with conflict, like believable conflict that you're willing to write about. And one of the things that I loved about this is that um, there's uh, there's this great kind of outside believable context, uh, conflict, which is wonderful. But even within the five adventures, and I don't know if you call them adventures, that's what I am used to. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, but even within the five adventures, you know, they're the twins who are not mirror images of each other at all. Yeah. And then the, so I don't want to give too much away, but like, there's one guy that you think because of what he does for a living, I mean, they're, they're young, but um, the, the way he was raised, you assume he's going to be this kind of a character. And then every once in a while, he just surprises you. And he's this kind of person also. And I'm like, oh, I like this. This is really interesting. You know, he surprised me too with that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just talked about that in, in, in another interview. They're like, well, well, which character surprised you? And that was Dag. I mean, like, where did this come from? Okay. So it's, it's yeah. fun when your characters jump off the page for you and start doing things you never expected. And you're going, all right, go ahead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, so give us a kind of an overview or we'll just take each piece. So um, you bought the rights to the game and now you're re-releasing the game. Is that right? So that's correct. So um, in, uh, uh, in 2018, the creator of the game, what had happened was I had, I had found an old box set and I had begun writing stories uh, for my kids and doing adventures oh. with, with my kids and some others. And I had created these stories and I sent them to uh, um, the person who got me the box set. And at the time, 
uh, I, I had done it all under, I mean, it's, uh, I don't think it's too much of a secret, but I write under a pseudonym. The military made me write under a pseudonym when I first started writing and I've kept that. And so I was doing it under my real name. I was just communicating with these guys as who I am. And um, they sent me back a thing. You know, you're not a bad writer. And I'm like, well, thanks. I do it for a living. <laughs> Um, I appreciate that. So uh, they put me in touch with um, the original creator of the game, and he had been diagnosed with uh, multiple forms of cancer Mm -hmm. and had been given six months to live. Um, And two and a half years later, he was still going pretty strong. Um, (laughs) But we began talking about it. And so I purchased the rights for the intellectual property for the world from him. And one of the things that he asked when we passed the torch, um, the original game was called Dragon Raid. And there was a, uh, there's another podcast we can go deep into the kerfuffle that happened around Dragon Raid in the mid 80s. It was a con man, uh, televangelist that uh, used it as a distraction, used a campaign against Dragon Raid as a distraction from the terrible things that he was doing. Um, And just before he was found out, he managed to put Dragon Raid in the ground. And even after he was proven to be a liar and a horrible person, um, uh, Dragon Raid did not survive. Um, And one of the things that that Dick wanted to change about it uh, that had brought some of that towards him was uh, you're raiding into the dragon lands. And so dragon raid makes sense, but it puts top billing on the box to the creature that is evil in the game. Right. Um, And so the dragons represent sort of fallen angels uh, in the allegory of the world. And so what Dick wanted to do, the light raiders at light raider Academy are the Knights, the light raider order that strikes out into the dragon lands to rescue the oppressed that's what he wanted to focus on. And so we want, you know, we, we are rebranding and have rebranded as, as light raiders. Um, that's another thing that was important to Dick Wolf was Christians working together in Christ. And so it's not just a light raider, it's light raiders, plural, uh, working together uh, to rescue the lost. And so that's why, that's why we changed the name to light raiders. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It was definitely something that I noticed while reading the book that um, there are several times where uh, it's it's all or nothing. Um, if somebody's going to get punished, everybody has the punishment or if somebody's going to go through only when everybody gets to go through. And I thought um, I love like, cause I can see the, the parallel, um, be, between that and, you know, the, the, the Christian life that we're trying to live, um, doing things together and working together and that sort of thing. But I also remember thinking, this is just like the Marine Corps when I was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> if somebody got yeah, in trouble, we all got in trouble. <laughs> that's where I drew from. So, you know, my, my military training um, really married up with, with uh, Dick Wolf's uh, together, Christians together in Christ concept. And so that we live together, we live as a team, die as a team. Um, that's how uh, we wanted to present it for Light Raiders. And, and I'm glad that came through. So I really did draw, when, when I put them in the academy situation with Master Quinton and everything else, um, I, you know, they, we, we were, I'm glad that came through of the, uh, you would live together, die together sort of policy there. Yeah, yeah, I really loved it. Okay, so um, did you start, writing wolf soldier like tell us a little bit about how wolf soldier came about like my questions are did you have to wait until you had purchased the intellectual property before you started did you pitch the book to enclave publishing first or did you decide i'm doing this no matter what or how, how did the book come out 
Well, that's really interesting um, because uh, they had actually asked me to begin novelizing the world um, before Dick passed the intellectual property to me. Um, but I'll tell you, the nebulous of I'm writing under permission from the IP owner to do this, um, it was just too many um, hands and steps that publishers really wanted nothing to do with it unless um, there was a single owner of the intellectual property to novelize the world. Mm -hmm. um, this was not something as big as Wizards of the Coast, where you, which is essentially their own publisher, um, where they can just contract people out to novelize the the D and D world. Um, so the for us it was um, necessary. Even to, you know there was a lot of stuff going on as far as uh, transferring the intellectual property, but. Um, that was a necessity. If we were going to get the novelization of the world out, um, it needed to have a single source of the IP owner. So you became for all a, the the technical uh, boilerplate stuff there. Uh, very right. exciting for your listeners. <laughs> but it is. It's very important for people to realize how much business is involved in making these kinds of decisions. You can't just randomly go out and well, you can. You can randomly go out and write whatever you want, but you might not be able to sell it. Right. Yeah. All right. And, and the, you know, when you're talking about things like this, where you're taking something that was previously created and you're expanding on it, um, then obviously, you know, you, there are rights involved and, you know, you can't just do fan, you just can't publish fan fiction, you know, and sell it kind of thing. I've actually been noticing that more as I've been involved in this world about how many people are uh, uh, violating other people's copyrights out there in the self-publishing world. Um, and need to be very, very careful with what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, aside from the fact that uh, it is a mistake and wrong and illegal, <laughs> you also just don't want to get sued either. <laughs> right, yes, exactly. Okay, so Dick Wolf uh, lived long enough to read the book and write the forward, am I understanding he that did. right? He did, yeah. He read the book, loved it. Um, and so that's a big important thing for us uh, and, and for the fans because Dragon Raid in the 80s touched uh, about 100,000 lives in my generation. Wow. So there are a lot of uh, folks who remember Dragon Raid is the most well-known name uh, in as far as Christian role-playing games. Um, and it's spoken with various levels because of, of how it sort of burned bright and then was put in the ground. Uh, you ended up with stock that was in, um, it was sold off and ended up in game stores and people didn't know what to do with this red box, even though it was designed as a discipleship tool for youth pastors. And people began trying to use it as a proselytizing tool or just the Christian version of D&D, &D, which is not what it was meant to be. Um, and so there's a whole variants of reviews and feelings about Dragon Raid. Lots of people have some strong feelings there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, where was I going with that? What was the original question? Um, um, so Dick Wolf, did he, was he involved in any way in, um, in yes. the first so, story? Yes. Yeah, so when, uh, so what we did is we modernized it. So there were some things that were some very unique to the 1980s, um, some mashups of fantasy and sci-fi, um, some very traditional uh, uh, Lord of the Rings style orcs and goblins, things like that. And we wanted to separate the Light Raider world as a unique thing on its own. We also wanted to take out the sci-fi mashup um, and other things. And so that there are significant changes to the world moving forward that are good changes. They work well with the theological allegory of the world. Um, but it was important to me that, that Dick, put his seal of approval on those. And so, yeah, 
we made some big changes to the creatures in the stories um, and, and especially to the, to the creatures and how they interact with the world. And uh, we I was grateful to see when Dick read the book that he absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved where we took it. Uh, and he wrote a really nice forward for the book. Oh, that is so nice. Now, as a novelist, I am pretty used to, for the most part, being completely in charge of my story. Um, I, you know, talk to other writers about, I've, I've got a problem, I can't figure out how to, and then people brainstorm, you know, and then you, you're back to it, taking care of your own story. But we were talking a little bit before we, you and I, you know, hit the record button here, that there was a lot of collaboration going on in like the big world of all of this that, that you're working on. So I'm not sure exactly where to, to ask you to start with that. I know you have a Kickstarter campaign, which I think when this episode goes live will be over. Yes, yes. Uh, Star Loss, which is uh, the board game, we launched it as, as we're shooting, we launched yesterday afternoon. Um, and so we have this really cool uh, family board game. So, so to back up a little bit uh, and to try to, to, to keep this tight because this is a new writing podcast. Um, but in the Light Raider world, one of the things I just talked about was how people found Dragon Raid in that intervening time in game stores and garage sales, and they didn't quite know what to do with it. It was designed as a discipleship tool. And you can see in Wolf Soldier, Wolf Soldier is, a, is, is itself, uh, it's a great fantasy story, I hope. Um, it, the reviewers have liked it so far, um, but it's also a discipleship tool. You can see how they're using scripture and applying scripture in allegorical ways to help you understand how to apply those scriptures in the real world and to engage one side of the brain to build that both retention and understanding. So the core of the Light Raider world is those discipleship tools. And we actually, we launched a, uh, the first thing we did in the new version, we have the Light Raider Adventure Bible Study, which is essentially Dragon Raid 2.0 coming out early next year. But the first thing we did was make this scripture memory and application card game first watch. And it stands alone as a card game, but it also works with old Dragon Raid and it works with the new Light Raider system. And it also works with Wolf Soldier. You can actually find these scriptures, even though they're spoken in another language because of the elder tongue, we have our own, we created a language and that's part of that collaborative process. James R. Brown, um, who uh, was a freelancer on the One Ring games for Cubicle 7, which had the license uh, for the the Tolkien um, games through Francesco Nepitelli. Um, anyway, James R. Brown is an expert, just not just in games, but in 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 uh, creating languages and things like that. So he's been helping me, and we're we're building a language. Actually, what's really cool about uh, what they let us do, James did these maps. These are inside oh. these books. Okay, every line by hand. This man oh, did this. Wow. So you got you have a map of the drag uh, of just a small portion of the drag Dragonlands, and you have a map on the other page of just a small portion of uh, Keladev, which is the liberated land. Um, and on that map, though, we we not only have a, a a spoken language, we have a written language, and so you you actually have some of the words translated into the written language. Um, and so that's part of that that collaboration together. Um, but these these things together are discipleship tools. Um, but what's and just we for people who don't know, discipleship tool is something that um, helps uh, maybe a new Christian learn a little bit more about like what is in the Bible, the kind of person we're trying to learn to be. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. So, so a discipleship tool presupposes that you're a Christian, that you have some Bible knowledge, and that you want to learn more Bible knowledge. Um, and people were trying to use Dragon Road, which is also a discipleship tool, as an outreach tool. And that's what caused some of the blowback we've gotten. Now, now God can use any tool in his in the way he wants to, and he has uh, actually used Dragon Raid, Dragon Raid for evangelical purposes through us. But we wanted to purpose design an outreach tool, and that's what we did with Star, Star Lots. And Star Lots is just a family game. There's four family games played on this two-sided microfiber cloth board um, that are you, it just brings people together to the table. So if you got 10 minutes to play, you can play one of the game. If, if you got an hour and a half, you can play the big adventure game on the other side of the board. But it's people coming together at the table, and there's little pieces of the game, like you're rescuing a lost soul, you're seeking the scroll, little pieces that might open as uh, create conversation openers. Um, but you have these little snippets of adventure. So we have we, we wanted to separate that out as to this family time slash outreach tool versus the discipleship tools. But it all does work together in the same world. Yeah. And you are involved in the writing of all of these pro pro projects, um, but you're not the only writer. So how many other people do you think have um, helped create the story? Like we're, we're talking about collaborative storytelling on a small scale. It's everybody sitting around a game and, and creating the game as you decide who's going to do what. But collaborative storytelling in this larger context is all of you coming together to create these great products to sell. Well, yes, absolutely. But also just, just in rebuilding and, and, and modernizing the world, um, you have uh, two men, uh, Joe Revez and Rich Sazov, who worked as stewards of the game for, for years. Uh, and they had a lot of great ideas that we've incorporated into the new world. Uh, for instance, uh, Rich gets total credit for the rescuer. Originally, the Christ figure in the stories was the overlord of many names. Um, uh, one, it was a mouthful, um, and we kind of allude to it in, in, in Wolf Soldier as this sort of transitional book, um, but we also, we wanted a, a shorter name, we wanted a name that doesn't have some of the overtones of Overlord, um, and so Rich, Rich came up with The Rescuer, and uh, we all kind of together came up with the idea of the dark creatures not being traditional orcs and goblins, but being corruptions of creation, so any troll in the book is a, is a corruption of something in nature so a tree troll is a is an animated tree creature um that's that's been corrupted and rotted and animated by the dragons and you have these roots that are like tentacles and things like that um a uh, a goblin uh, a cave goblin is the its flesh is formed of uh mushroom type material fungal material formed over brittle knit bone um and so we have these we, we wanted to take what was this sci-fi mashup where these creatures came from different planets and change it into these creatures are corruptions of creation. Um, they're soulless corruptions of creation because they represent different forms of sin and the challenges we face as, as Christians. So that, the, you know, that was a group effort. And then, you know, James and I are working on the language together. And James is a master and genius of game rules. And so when we're creating these games, James has uh, a lot of input. It was funny in our Kickstarter of First Watch, one of the things we promised when we got to in Kickstarter, once you hit your funding 
hitting goal, you go for stretch goals. One of the things we promised was a new set of rules that you could use dice with the card deck. Ah. And uh, James created the, you know, the, the backers met the funding goal. And so James created these new set of rules and I got the rules uh, like last week and I called James and I was like, that's not fair. Your rules are better than my rules. <laughs> um, so people are going to play this game and they're going to be, they're going to play more with the alternate rules that James created than the original rules that I created for the card deck. Uh, but that's great. It's fantastic that God has placed these folks uh, uh, with me together. You have John Carroll. Um, this game uh, comes originally out of the, in, in the eighties uh, they had all these dice left over when the game was put under and they tried to create a, a little mini board game in a in similar fashion. And one of the games was this game where you're just constantly rolling combos with the five dice and trying to, and it, it takes a long time. And I was like, I don't see how we can take this into uh, a, a family game that, that people are really going to enjoy. It's very niche. And John Carroll, uh, who's our director of communications said, no, 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 no. We can make this work because I can see where he saw the engagement. He saw the fun. Um, and so then together we began to, to build that up. And then he said, oh, we need something more. And Joe Rivez said, you're calling it light Raider adventure. There needs to be adventure. And so then we came up with the adventure cards. When you move, you get a little snippet of adventure. Goblins attack you. Uh, a, a whirlpool opens up before you dropped into a portal, splitting up your team, things like that. So nice. anyway, you, you, you you know, all these little things now happen on the board. What was originally just rolling the dice and getting combos over and over. Uh, yeah. But with to, without these folks and their ideas and putting things together, none of this would have happened. And that's, wow. you know, that collaboration together of how we bring adventure out. Yeah. Okay. So you're the IP owner and you're essentially the project manager of all of these pieces. So are you, have you personally been the one who was hiring people to do different bits and pieces? Um, how, uh, I know that um, the book is published by a traditional publisher, not self-published. So um, how, how does the publisher fit in? Um, like who's, who's, kind of, um, I don't want to say running the show with the books, but um, like, did you say, this is what I want to do? And they said, that sounds good to us. Or did you kind of have to pitch it like you would pitch no, any it, other book? No, we pitch, pitched it like any other book. Um, okay. And so, yeah, so Wolf Soldier, um, again, and, and Wolf Soldier, I wrote Wolf Soldier, but there was input. So like the language um, and also ticks and watches, the way that time is, um, is, measured in the story is the way that uh, James R. Brown came up with measurement of time. The, the new Light Raider adventure is very map-based and you have a certain amount of time, a certain number of ticks to accomplish the mission on the map um, to, to proceed to the next adventure. And so we incorporated those ticks and watches. So the ticks of the day and the watches of the night, uh, into the stories to make everything marry up. And so again, yeah, we're building this world together. Um, but as the primary writer and the IP owner, I pitched the story to Enclave, um, at, at just the way you would pitch any other project. And we were very blessed that Enclave picked it up and also how willing they have been to not only promote the book, but also promote the games. Wow. Um, just amazing to have your own, you know, I trust me, I've worked for Simon & Schuster, I've worked for Penguin, uh, I've worked for multiple publishers, big publishers, and never have I had a publisher go, oh, you have this other thing that's connected. Why don't we market that for you? Why don't we publicize that on our social media? <laughs> 
really? Um, so it's just, it's a huge blessing to be working with Enclave and how, how incredible they have been in helping us to get this story out there. Wow. Okay. So uh, as much as this is a topic that we could spend, you know, all day talking about, let's see, <laughs> let's see if we can um, bring the, the big picture back into uh, some bullet points. What are some of the things that you learned um, about uh, any of the phases of this project that kind of, again, refer back to uh, how are you finding other people to hire? How are you, this is a hard one for me. Um, how are you um, letting your, your pride come down a level and your humility, is this right? Go up a level <laughs> to work with someone who has a better idea than you and that you're gonna take out your piece and, and add in because this is like brilliant. Uh, how, does the, how does the hiring of these people work like uh, from a business perspective? From a business perspective, and, and right now, honestly, other than contractors like artists uh, um, and marketing folks and stuff like that, nobody, we're, yeah, we're working together as a business, but nobody's making, every, every dime that comes into the business is going back into it. So we run as a for-profit, but are we are technically a for-profit, but we run as a ministry. Um, every dime is going back into getting these out there because everybody on this team believes in the discipleship principles of this tool. Uh, hopefully one day we'll, we all have day jobs. Uh, James is a pastor. I'm a pilot. John uh, works in media uh, in Denver. And so, you know, <laughs> we're all doing this uh, uh, as a ministry, but yeah. um, how do they end up um, with me is is God. And that then you don't question that. So let me tell you the original story of this of, of uh, when when Dick Wolf asked me to take it over, I signed over the intellectual property. Uh, we, we, you know, we bought the we bought the IP because our consideration has to be given. And then we solidified the trademarks, which is a whole nother legal thing. And then I said, I have to finish Paris Betrayal. I had to finish Elysium Tide, which is the next one that comes out from Ravel. And so I'm going to set this down for a while. And then we'll come back to it. And God said, no. Um, so I told my wife, I'm setting this down. She was like, good. And then I get an email that says, hi, uh, I'm an artist. Um, God told me to contact you and ask, ask how I can help with Light Raiders. And I'm seriously. going, yeah, 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 seriously. But you know, this is the thing, like I said, this is kind of sort of a cult classic. So the minute you put up a website, people are going to call and, and I'm oh, going, okay. eh, and then you read the guy's bio and he's like, yeah, you might recognize some of my work from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Little Mermaid. And that was Jason Lethko who became an advisor on the artwork for this. He wasn't able to do it himself because he had too many projects from Disney, but he did actually uh, uh, give us some really good advice and consultation. And then you had another one, get another one. And it says, God told me to contact you and ask how I can help with Light Raiders you got to be kidding me. Who's this guy? Well, this is a COO at a major corporation that provides IT for um, uh, Major League Baseball and giving us business. He's constantly giving us business advice. And then you have James who, you know, happens to be, you know, someone who worked on the one ring games for, for these are the Tolkien games. I mean, this is, this is continuing the adventures of the hobbits and the approved Tolkien games through the license that Francesco Napatelli owns. So, you know, when God sends you those kind of people, you don't ask questions. You just go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I better understand why you were just like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep going then. 
Yeah, I'm hanging on by the tail of the jet here. Uh, I, I really am, especially this summer with the increase in air. I'm an on-call airline pilot. Normally, I fly a couple times a month. Right now, I'm flying. I, I, in, I've just got home, and I have a few days off to write and stuff. But for the last week, I was home 18 hours. Oh, my goodness. And I was covering everything from Belize to Montana to uh, DC to Orange County. So, uh, yeah, the summer's been a bit of a killer with all the, we appreciate the uptick in traffic. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, as the on-call guy, I'm, uh, normally I'm, I, I sit at home and write and wait for the phone to ring and it rings a couple times a month. Now it's ringing off the hook. Yeah. All right. So let's just, we haven't practiced this question, so we'll let this be one of the, uh, one of the things where God can just direct the conversation. What are some of the things that just come to mind right now having to do with time management, writing, project management, people management, you know, whatever comes to mind that you're like, these are things that I learned that are, that are things that I want to share with other writers, you know, in case you're uh, going to be working on a big project like this or something else that's smaller, but also collaborative or. So I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, and uh, she's, she also apologizes because we did actually mess up the time for the interview here this, this morning because uh, we've both been overwhelmed, but um, I have my wife, Cindy. So when all this started to snowball, I, um, my wife came to me and she said, there's got to be something different that, that you can do. And she has, you know, Joseph level administrative skills, like in Egypt. Um, and in the past, I've asked her to use those administrative skills almost as an employee or an assistant. Um, and that doesn't really work great. That's not a really good marriage contract there. Um, but what I needed to do, because I was trying to be both soldier and general at the same time. And when all of this started going and I'm hanging, like I said, hanging on by the tail of the jet, what I had to do was finally give up control and put her in the driver's seat. And so she gets, she's the general and I'm the soldier now. Um, and that makes life a lot easier because she's really good at putting together a schedule and giving me tasks to accomplish and things like that so that I can catch up for that time management. Um, and so I, I, not every writer has that, has somebody in their life who can do that for them. And so I, I can't make really great recommendations. I was never great at it to begin with. Um, and so fortunately I have somebody who is great at it, who can uh, take over for me, but the hard part was letting go was, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm a, you know, former Lieutenant Colonel, I used to being in charge of teams and instead I had to become the grunt, uh, who's just doing the creative work and let her be in charge. Well, that's a great tip though. I mean, so the, the tip could be look around, see if there is someone, and then how can you uh, work things out so that both of you feel like this is actually a good use of both of our best skills. But the, the secondary tip might also be like, um, if you're married or, or have a, a life partner, you know, protect that relationship. Don't let that become um, uh, subservient to the business. Sure, absolutely. All right. That's a great tip. What else comes to mind? <laughs> I mean, it's been, you've had, you've had a lot of learning experiences, no doubt. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to give up on some things. You, you have to be willing to, if you want to both have time for your kids um, and your wife and get the work done, people talk about, oh, I've been watching this great show. I've been doing, don't know. Don't even know what's on right now. Don't have time. Um, things take priority. And so my wife and I have one show that we watch at a time uh, before bed each night. We watch probably 45 minutes before we pass out. 
and that's it. Um, and right now we're watching a really old show, so we don't even know what's new. Um, there's so much junk uh, uh, out there right now, but the, you you have to give up on certain things, uh, uh, a lot of free time things in order to um, uh, get the job done. One of the things I did sort of give up non-intentionally that I need to get back on top of, and, we, and we, we were back on top of it this morning and this week, was your exercise. Um, so I, I did, uh, get out of shape here trying to keep up and that's not, that's not a healthy thing, especially in the current environment. You want to keep your body ready to combat whatever the world throws at us next. Um, and so I, I don't recommend, uh, letting, um, the workout or the exercise or whatever the walks, whatever you do fall by the wayside. I have to say that's one of the hardest things for me. I have so many times in the last year and a half written down all of my, you know, must do's really need to do. And I, I would, I, it would be great if I got this done list. And even on the must do list, we've already run out of week, you know, before I've run out of list and I am having the hardest time. I'm, I'm like, have I always had this personality, but it is so difficult for me to say, I'm not going to do this because this other thing is more important. I'm like, there must be a way. But then what ended up happening to me was that I forced myself to keep trying to find a way. And then I made myself sick with this terrible burnout that affected my body and my mind. And I couldn't think, and I wasn't getting anything done. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that is a lesson, but, um, but it's still hard for me, you know, coming back out of the burnout to figure out how am I going to just make myself say it's okay and let go of things that I really want to do because there isn't time to do all of them. That's a hard one. Yep, absolutely. And how, is, how about the writing? Have you had any things that had to change or give or move to a different way of doing it in order to get the writing done on time for either the, the game stuff or the book or the next book? Not really. I mean, I've been doing this for a decade um, a little more than a decade. And, and so I think my writing groove or whatever you want to call it uh, really hasn't changed. I, I plot uh, heavily. I write outlines. And when we say outline, an outline is a short story version of your book. Um, so I write a short story version of the book so that I know where the, the, the path is. And then I can explore other angles like a character that surprises you with things that they're into. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, my writing really hasn't changed in this process. It's just become more intense, um, uh, fitting it in, in every, every place possible. Yeah. You know what though? Um, so looking at this from the outside, I would say that what it seems like your tip is, is that, um, similar to the exercise, like start a practice now so that when life throws something at you, like this has been an amazing, um, like it, this has been a positive in your life, all these wonderful things that have been happening with the games and the cards and, um, but it's also been, um, pushing you to your limit. So just like with exercise, if we're, you know, kind of in shape, then when something pushes us to our limits, we actually have a little bit more limit to give. Right. And that's, that's goes back to, you have the military experience to understand. It goes back to the way we train and, and get procedures down and repetitive training and, and how, and, and uh, patterns, patterns and muscle memory and all those things. So you're writing pattern, how you sit down and do it. Um, you, you, you train it at, or in the air force, what we say at zero G on the ground. Um, so that when you're flying or when the world is coming at you at 300 knots, 
then you're able to accomplish those same things. And so the same thing with the writing, build your patterns, build your muscle memory, build your routine now so that when the world's coming at you at 300 knots, uh, you're ready for it. Yeah, I love it. And look what you've been ready to do. I mean, you must sometimes just kind of look up and just be like, how does this happen? Like, it's a lot and it's very cool. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, we're very excited. Um, and I'm, I, I feel hugely blessed. This thing was a huge part of my life from the time that I was a teenager. And so now to be the developer and carrying it forward um, is a huge blessing. In fact, we are actually going to have in March, if you're in the South Carolina, North Carolina area or thereabouts, um, there will be uh, the Illuminate Retreat at Blue Ridge uh, Mountains uh, Ridgecrest Bible Conference Center. Light Raiders is the focus. So uh, James and I and John, we will be there. We will be speaking. We will be doing some Light Raider adventures. Uh, so all that stuff, uh, you know, coming like, where did that come from? A major, major conference center saying, hey, we want to do Light Raiders. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. That's so exciting. Okay. So that's March of 2022. Correct. Okay, good, good. Um, so I'm guessing- It's a uh, youth, youth, so that's for youth groups. For youth uh, groups. So if you're a youth okay. pastor and you're listening- Get, <laughs> get your kids over there. <laughs> All right, so um, people who are uh, listening on the day this comes out, the book Wolf Soldier has just been released two days ago. Congratulations. <laughs> ah, thanks. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and uh, the game doesn't come out until sometime in 2022. Right. Yes. We have first watch, which is a, a card game all its own. Uh, and really you're building that there's 85 foundational scriptures. So if you're building that knowledge, then there's little snippets of adventure on each card that tell you how it works with the game world. So when the game comes out and if you've got, if you know a lot of these verses, boy, will you be ready to uh, uh, defeat the dragons uh, uh, when Light Raider Adventure comes out. So First Watch is out, uh, and it's available for uh, uh, on our website. Starlots just finished a Kickstarter. It'll be available for back order until all of our Kickstarter backers get their games first. Mm -hmm. um, and then Light Raider Adventure, uh, we already have the beta rules out uh, by uh, Halloween. Um, to our original First Watch Kickstarter ba backers. That was something that they were promised uh, in their stretch goals. And then it will, the official documents will begin coming out next year. Nice. Okay. And then Wolf Soldier is book one of a trilogy. So the next two yep. books will come out around, do you have dates? February, 2023, Bear Knight is the second. So in the Light Raider order, there are various uh, roles uh, like a Knight of the Way or Healer. Um, and in uh, one area is Wolf Soldier, Bear Knight, and Lion Warrior are uh, knights who have these sort of talking animal companions. And so the first trilogy in this Light Raider world is based on those roles from the original 1980 game. Nice. You said 2023, but did you mean 2022? Nope. This one comes out oh, okay. October 2020. A year and a half from now. That, well, that's another uh, technique when you're overwhelmed, ask your publisher for an extension. Ah, that's good to know. <laughs> so, that's a good, good tip. <laughs> uh, Wolf Soldier, yeah, Bear Knight will be coming out February in 2023. This one comes out, you know, obviously October 2021, but there's uh, a year and four, five months uh, between the two. Okay. All right. Because there are an, an awful lot of other things that you're working on, yeah, in, yeah, including the, the next book after Paris Betrayal. Uh, yep, Elysian Tides title. is Elysian. in edits with Ravel right now. Uh, cool adventure on uh, Maui. 
um, at this grand resort and dealing with uh, auto theft and gang members and uh, uh, some deep earth carbon and other cool topics. Uh, so wow. excited about Elysium Tide, but that's coming out. I don't know when that's coming. Is that coming out in summer, summer of 2022? Okay. Wow. Awesome. And that's one. So you didn't say spy. So this one's not a follow-up. No, this one is not a follow-up to Paris Betrayal. Uh, we've had some requests for that. So maybe one day in the future, but right now God wants me working on Light Raiders. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> clearly, uh, but um, Elysium Tide is, is a detective story. It's a, uh, um, a neurosurgeon, a British neurosurgeon. Uh, who's a bit of a grumpy Gus uh, and not too good with his colleagues, gets forced into one of these uh, boondoggle medical retreats. This is a real thing. The, the, the resorts put on these retreats for doctors. The hospitals send them and everybody gets paid. And anyway, so he's forced to go on this boondoggle uh, rest in Maui and confront his own workaholism. Uh, and while he's there, uh, a, a woman dies in his arms and he becomes obsessed with finding uh, her killer. And, mm. and so uh, he works, he, he becomes a thorn in the side of uh, um, a Miami detective, the head of the, the chief of their gang task force. And together she and he uh, uh, find the bad guys. Wow. Awesome. You do have a lot going on inside your brain right now. <laughs> I did. I had to learn how to do some neurosurgery um, uh, for that book, at least in theory, you know, so I had to learn a lot about, you know, cutting out tumors and things just to write good scenes for that story. So I did learn a lot about that. That was oh, fun. That's so cool. Kind yeah, of gross. I, I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of surgeries on video. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, there are even things in the, the Good Doctor TV show where I'm like, I'm just going to turn away for a minute because mostly I'm okay with it. But sometimes I'm like, too much, too much. <laughs> but yes, if I if I were 18, anytime in the last five years, I would definitely go into some sort of neuroscience field because I think it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> a lot of really interesting stuff about the brain I've learned in the last uh, in the last year. No doubt. Okay. So if people are interested in any of these things, you have a couple of different websites. Also, I would say that um, it being October, 2021 right now, um, that uh, people could just Google your name and or Google uh, Light Raiders and also listen to other podcast interviews where you're talking about more and different aspects. Maybe some of them are. Oh know. yeah. If they want to go back into the deep history of Dragon Raid and what happened back in the eighties, uh, Lore Haven did an hour plus on that topic um, for the, for their, uh, oh, oh, oh dear, Fantastical Truths podcast. And um, if they want to find me, they can Google me. They'll find my Facebook page, my uh, Instagram, but uh, they can also Google Light Raiders. Um, and so we have the jamesrhannibal.com webpage, and then we have lightraiders.com, which Him First Media um, has just completely redone. And so finally have real professionals instead of this amateur doing the website. <laughs> and it looks so much better. Um, nice. So much better. <laughs> Uh, it actually makes sense and you know what's happening. Uh, so uh, it's very good. You don't end up on all these 404 pages. Uh, yeah. Got that going. Excellent. Excellent. So pretty much uh, two websites. You can find any of the things that is a James R. Hannibal uh, creative project. Yeah, absolutely. 
Excellent. Perfect. James, this has been so interesting and fun. I love how we kind of like went from the, the ginormous big picture and brought it down to smaller pieces. I think this is going to be helpful for anybody who's thinking about doing any kind of collaborative writing project, either in book form or um, like very exciting, all the things that you can do with games, Kickstarter. So uh, hopefully people are, are thinking, oh, you know, maybe that idea that I had isn't as impossible as I once thought. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what, um, when we talk about collaborative storytelling and thinking on your feet, two important things we talked about when the world comes at you at 300 knots, um, there's no better way to train for that than, than sitting around a table with friends and playing a role playing style game. That is true collaborative storytelling, building an adventure together right off the cuff. Um, and yeah, it puts you on the spot a little bit, but it's fun. You, you laugh a lot um, and you really develop your storytelling skills. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm getting ready to do a little bit of role playing uh, in a couple hours tonight with my husband and his friends. So I think that um, my brain is going to start um, spinning even more. I want to tell you uh, what my character is going to be, but it's a secret. The other characters don't know. <laughs> so I'll tell you after we stop. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been so much fun.